You're listening to Cortez Radio, CKTZ, 89.5 FM. This is Roy Hales with Cortez Currents. A new disaster preparedness app is being deployed in seven Vancouver Island communities. Pilot projects start up in the village of Tassis, district of Tofino, city of Parksville, town of Qualicum Beach, and city of Nanaimo next month. Preparations are underway to bring the project on stream in the Alberni Cleoquit Regional District. Dr. Ryan Reynolds and a team of UBC researchers created the Canadian Hazards Emergency Response and Preparedness Mobile App, or CHIRP, to help communities create preparedness, communication, evacuation, and on-the-day emergency response plans for local hazards and potential disasters. The initial version that I built as part of my PhD work was pretty slim compared to what we have today because you would talk to someone and they would go, hey, but what about this thing? So menstrual products was a product that as a guy in my mid-40s isn't something I'm thinking of top of mind, but it is super relevant for lots of different people out there. And so it's things like that, incontinence product. It's things like, do you have a sump pump in your basement? Do you even have a basement? All of those things are pieces that we need to be able to understand what that risk looks like. Are there actions people can take? And then what those actions might look like. So just to give some examples of things that we collect, uh, we don't care about gender if that's not important to us. It's not really relevant in the way we deal with it. We deal with direct products. So we ask about, do you have this kind of disability? Uh, Let's say mobility disability. And we ask you to rank it. Does it have no impact on your ability to evacuate? Does it have a minor impact on that to, uh, to understand a hazard is happening and to evacuate? Or is it going to be critical to your ability to evacuate? And we do that for people with um, vision and hearing problems and also people with cognitive disabilities. And then we address specific health hazards, things like diabetes, where you need additional resources that might be included in there that aren't just physical things, but they're also kind of understanding of things, what limitations you might have during an evacuation. And then finally, it's looking at the physical things. It's looking at medications. Do you need syringes? And there's definitely implications for syringes. Uh, If you're on certain kinds of medications, Pharmacies aren't necessarily going to dispense you know, narcotics to you for a three-week bonus so that you can just have it sitting in your emergency kit if you want it to, uh, so it's ready to go. So it's dealing with what that looks like down the road. In terms of housing, there's a very big difference if you live in a single-story bungalow than if you happen to live on the eighth floor of an apartment building, right? So we have to take those pieces into account, particularly for people that have disabilities. So the app allows us to look at the household, look at its location, and kind of build an informed understanding of that risk. So if you are disabled and you live on the eighth floor of an apartment building, we're going to adjust that emergency plan that we might not do for uh, an able-bodied person. So someone walking down the stairs is probably fine for most people, but if you're confined to a motorized wheelchair and have a very difficult time transferring, then that's going to be a significant issue for you. So there are steps you can take to prepare for that. And we don't have all of these in the app just yet. There's a lot of work that has to happen around kind of making sure that we fill out that database over time. But we have an actions database right now of several hundred actions that adapt to age, uh, they adapt to local circumstances, so information we've been provided by communities, and also they adapt to those household conditions. Reynolds traces the origins of the CHIRP app back to a study of how 450 Port Alberni residents responded to the tsunami warning triggered by the Alaska earthquake of January 23, 2018. 
The story for Port Alberni really starts a little bit earlier. I was conducting my PhD research in Port Alberni looking at tsunamis, uh, trying to understand how people understood tsunami risk, what level of household preparedness we had, and did a real pilot for what would eventually become the CHIRP app, the Canadian Hazards Emergency Response and Preparedness app. And what we saw in that initial study through my PhD was looking at people aren't sure about where risk zones are located necessarily within their community. Often they might be mistaken, they might think they're safe when they're not or vice versa. And so it became really important to kind of understand what we as uh, researchers and what communities themselves can do to kind of better communicate risk information. In 2018, there was the tsunami warning that happened in most communities on Vancouver Island. And what we saw was that several of these chose to evacuate. Uh, some of them chose not to evacuate as a whole. And then we had a lot of confusion in the media about should they, should they not have, who should have, where should they have gone. And so my research assistant, Alexa Tanner and I basically looked at what that meant in terms of understanding risk. And we spoke with individuals. We, we conducted a door-to-door -door survey, spoke directly with people who were affected within the inundation zone, had an online survey to get information back from residents inside and outside of that zone to kind of understand this kind of who is at risk, how they understand that risk and what they're doing to prepare for that risk. And so we saw there's about 10% of households were unsure and another 8% were actually mistaken in their beliefs. So they either thought they were safe when they weren't or they were safe when they thought they weren't. And so we wanted to help trying to bring that information up, make it a little bit clearer. And that's really a lot of the information that we got out of that. We also had some recommendations that come in terms of risk communication for the communities themselves. But my main interest at this point was really looking at the households and what we can do to help them because a lot of these are working people, they have kids or you know they're looking after elderly parents. They're very busy and it's important that they spend that time and maximize their time and resources to kind of get the most bang for their buck in terms of time. And so there's a lot I felt we could be doing to kind of make it easier for them to find that information, to learn about specific hazards in their community uh, and what it means, not only kind of this is the hazard, but also what that hazard looks like in Canada and what that hazard looks like in their specific community. And then finally going down to the level of their household. So where we have that data, which we do for several different hazards in several communities, we provide that as a household level piece of information. So do you live in the inundation zone? Yes or no. And if you don't live in the inundation zone, are you still close enough that it's going to impact your house? So for example, if you live five meters outside of the zone, technically, yes, you're outside of that zone, but there's still implications to your house. You might not actually be able to leave your house if the road is impacted that get to your house, for example. So there's a lot of these knock-on effects that we're looking at and bringing that information into the app to really help them to prepare. Reynolds is familiar with the Strathcona Regional District and, should the occasion arise, expressed interest in working with Quadra and or Cortez Islands. We actually were really lucky. The Strathcona Regional District were one of the first groups to reach out for us and we've done a pilot for the village of Tassas. So they're the first piece that's connecting to this. The piece that we're missing right now, so we have small communities, medium communities, large communities in our, in our set so far that have partnered with us. The piece that we're missing is island communities. In part, that's just the way it randomly worked out, I guess, in terms of who reached out to us. But it's a very different kind of look to evacuate the city of Nanaimo than it is to evacuate, you know, Quadra Island, for example, where you have 
either local boats or personal boats that people might be using, or you have to deal with the ferry because swimming really isn't going to be an option for 99.9% .9 of people. So it's what that looks like is something we haven't looked at yet. So our approach to that in the past has been to conduct workshops with affected communities to look at what their needs are. And so we did that initially with CHIRP to understand small communities, remote communities, and larger communities. And the piece that we're gonna look at in our next phase is gonna be looking at island communities. We have interest uh, from the capital region to potentially bring that to some island communities. We haven't gone beyond initial talks at this point, but it's certainly an area that would be of interest. And I know for the Strathcona Regional District, that's gonna be relevant to them as well. So assuming the pilot is successful, assuming that we are able to show that this is working and is actually useful to residents, I think we'll be able to start looking at alternative edge communities and bringing them in and making them no longer edge, right? And making them equal citizens within our app and making them understand that piece a little better. Now we can't make ferries come faster, unfortunately, that's still up to other groups, but we can at least help people be prepared, be ready to be able to go on those ferries a little bit more quickly uh, should they need to and to evacuate safely and know where they're going and know exactly who they're gonna be staying with if they can and to prepare that all in advance so it's good to go. Let's suppose that either Cortez or Quadra Island wanted to go forward with this program. What would be the cost? It is absolutely free to users, so there's no cost to users, which is the, the big benefit. The downside is we are somewhat limited because we don't have funding as a result. So for communities, there is an involvement and in some cost, uh, but that's internal in-kind costs. So for example, if we go to Quadra Island, we're going to work with the individual communities. We're going to work with the SRD to make sure that we have an understanding of what that risk looks like and where available, we have the data models to back it up. So for example, coastal flooding models or landslide models or tsunami models and actually showing where those household risks are. What's happening in the background is their GIS departments are bringing all of that information to us and we're processing that information and making it legitimate, you know, user-friendly data. Basically the cost to communities is the staffing hours that they're committing to that piece, right? So the, the more hours and the more involved they become, the more cost that they have associated with the product, but we're not charging communities for involvement. We want that to be offset by either provincial or regional governments, or hopefully the federal government will step in so that we can expand this on a much larger scale. You've been listening to an interview with Dr. Ryan Reynolds, whose team of UBC researchers created the Canadian Hazards Emergency Response and Preparedness mobile app, or CHIRP, which is being introduced to Vancouver Island next month.